Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got to Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment from the 80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael, and Mindy's on the other side. What up? Uh, Trying to bring some sort of joy to the world, because it's utter piles of shit that we're trying to dodge. Uh, So we're going to bring, uh, this one is the one where we kind of like ride the line of what's a teen movie. It isn't necessarily. Don't care. Yeah, we don't care. Uh, Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values. Um, interesting how the second one is now considered the best of the duo when the second one tanked pretty fucking hard. Oh, is that is that so? Yep. I don't have I don't really have a concept of those things, especially not that far back. But, well, um, I remember there were three I, sequels all together, and yeah. they were it was Christmas of '93. And they were all movies that weren't that long ago. It was Sister Act 2, Wayne's World 2, and Adam's Family you know, Values. That, that was the only one that was like a two-year gap. But they opened up all right after Mrs. Doubtfire. And I have nothing mm-hmm. against Mrs. Doubtfire. But mm-hmm. looking at all the movies now, I'm like, that's the one that everybody went to? Okay. Like, really went to. Like, 150 million, kind of. And everything else got me like 35 or 40 million. I don't get I mean, it. I mean, Robin Williams. I don't really think there's anything more to say than that. Is it the post uh, Aladdin? Like, he's just riding that so hard. I mean, I I, I can't even remember Mrs. Doubtfire. Is it good? Yeah, I mean, it's it's good, but it's also like, you know, a family movie. I think a lot of people one were loving him hardcore, and it was a family movie. So those two things combined. I mean, I mean. Is Whoopi Goldberg a big draw at the theater for anyone? No, not really. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if Sister Act was just a fluke. Like, there's movies like that. Like, Miss Congeniality, it just came out at the right time. It was different than everything else that was coming out, and it just locked in. But then again, I guess you could say the same thing for the other movies. Uh, Wayne's World was in February. It didn't have any competition. You know, I mean, you think the only thing is Lawnmower Man. Um, And it was different than everything else. Fast forward a year and a half, and his competition is completely different. Same thing for Adam's Family. The first one was such like out of nowhere surprise hit, and then yeah, the second I think one. So much of things, so much of things is, uh, is just good timing because even movies that have really big name name actors don't always hit it right. It's no, just, and comedy it sequels really is just timing. Comedy sequels are like the hardest of all of them because it just seems yeah. like it's a one and done for a lot of these like. I can see there, there, you know, there's a continuation with the Adams Family world. In Wayne's World Two, is kind of a, the same exact thing. That's a problem. A lot of sequels is they either have nothing else to say or they're just repeating themselves. Did we really want to analyze yeah, the, the, that? <laughs> the, the, the second movie is pretty much the same exact plot. Um, but this, the Adams Family and Adams Family Values, I think the reason why they're so beloved is because they are true sequels. Where they're not completely, you know, they're not really repeating themselves. The only thing that kind of repeats itself in both movies is how Fester kind of gets twisted and destroys the family. Fester is is a tool, and he is used in both movies, and it's quite sad. Yeah. But it, it you know, it, it works out all okay. It's it's amazing how Christopher Lloyd can truly disappear into his performances. Think about everything that was big studio film that was a hit for him, and they're all completely different. You have the the Back to the Future trilogy, um, you have the Dream Team, Roger Rabbit, The Adams Family, 
And then after that, it kind of lost his... I don't really recall much after that. I think he did, like, My Favorite Martian and stuff like that. But he seemed to be a guy who would lose himself in the character. He was, he was a leading guy, sort of, like Danny DeVito. And it was only mm-hmm. during this era where you could really get someone like that who was a character actor who would also be, like, his name would be above the title. Yeah, it is really interesting, isn't it? Like, that some of the people that were, like, huge stars and you're just like, like, this is... He's, like... Danny DeVito is just so strange. Yeah. <laughs> and Christopher Lloyd's kind of strange. Yeah. Well, I was trying to think, and some of the action guys, like, no other time would give you Christopher Lambert and Rudger Hauer. Honestly, they just, it just oh, won't happen again. Um, what I think you find interesting about all of this is that nobody in uh, the Adams family was really a well-known name. I mean, this feels like it would be a Tim Burton production. Doesn't it? Kind yeah, of? I can see that. And, and nowhere in here does it say that he was ever lined up for it. But Caroline Thompson is connected to him. She did write uh, Edward Scissorhands, um, and she would write this as well. So she brings some of that quirky weirdness to uh, the, the script. And um, we're looking at, you know, Barry Sonnenfeld. This is the first movie he's ever directed. They gave him this big studio. I like Barry Sonnenfeld. Oh, yeah. I, I really think he doesn't get much credit anymore because he's only remembered for uh, Men in Black, and that's it. Um, yeah. What's that one that we like? Uh, Big Trouble. Yeah, it's, I love that movie. Yeah, so much fun. Uh, he did Love and Money with Michael J. Fox, and that didn't do very well. It just seems like he's a real hit and miss kind of guy. Where it seems like he should have had more. Hits was he in the it. one who got his start in porn? Yes, he was a cinematographer <laughs> in porn, <laughs> and then he got hired by the Coen Brothers, and that's how they basically like, okay, this guy I think is right because he had just. I think he had his last film he had lensed was Barton Fink, I think. But he oh, had that I manic think. energy because he had done Raising Arizona and stuff like that. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think that probably a lot of his movies are underappreciated. And, you know, I sometimes forget that things I love aren't like universally loved. Yeah. Because uh, I don't really think about that stuff. But, um, yeah, I like personally think that. Big Trouble is one of the most like underrated comedies that exist. Oh, it does say <laughs> Tim Burton did pass on this. I'm sorry, uh, he did. He was locked into Batman Returns, so he couldn't do this. Well, that kind of makes sense that now he's, you know, all these years later he's doing the Wednesday Adams show on Netflix. Oh, is he? I it's didn't coming. know that. Is it animated? I'm pretty sure. No. Okay. It's live action, and I have mixed feelings about it, but... Um, is Christina Ricci coming back? Or is it a new... No, like, it, uh, no, yeah, she is coming back. I don't know in what regard. It doesn't say what character she Okay, plays. so it's not um, like an adult yeah. Wednesday. No, no, she's a teenager. Um, the girl from the younger sister in the, the most recent Scream movie is playing Wednesday as a teenager. Oh, okay. I was wondering because... Because I, I was thinking like, oh, well, they have the animated movies going right now, so maybe they didn't want to conflict with that, so they're making Wednesday an yeah. adult, and she has to go out into a you know, world as a, you know... <laughs> Morticia Adams, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Really? Okay, that works. The weird, Here's the weird one, though. Luis Guzman as Gomez. Okay. Uh, I love him, huh. but I don't see him pulling off the... I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Well, if you I'm remember... Curi- I am curious. He, so there's different versions of the Adams Family uh, when it comes... I know. That's well, true. everything is consistent except Gomez. So the cartoons, 
the TV series, yeah. and the movies have all been like different feels. So uh, the newer um, animated movies, those look more like what would, what would fit him. That's true. Yeah, because I mean, we got used to him being very sexual, very debonair, you know, and a swordsman, a dancer, a lover. You know, and Raul Julia just fucking eats this up. This is the best eye roll for almost everybody in this movie, honestly. Um, well, I mean, seriously, it's it's like we've talked about this so many times in comedies. And like, what really, like, what made it so good is the the commitment. And it wasn't it wasn't slapsticky. It wasn't like it wasn't tongue in cheek. They played that shit straight. Yeah. Well, and Paramount was kind of known for that uh, for a while. Uh, Paramount is like the king of the TV adaptations because they're the first to really kick that off with Untouchables. And then they did this. But it was a few years later is when they did the Brady Bunch movies. Yeah. And that was kind of when those started taking a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek or insulting the original. Um, I this... mean, I appreciate that approach, too, if it's done right. But I, I just think that, you know, that, you know, not not doing that with these movies real, it is partially what makes it so good. So, yeah. like, you know, the the repeat value is just so high. I'm curious about the Monsters remake that's coming this Halloween from, of all people, Rob yeah. Zombie. Is it going right, to be, exactly. like, a twisted version? Is it going to be a legit Probably. love letter? I don't know. And it could fail if you do not get the tone right. But I also, I feel like it's a couple decades late. Mm -hmm. I mean, 60s nostalgia doesn't seem like it should be a thing anymore. I feel like we're now into the 90s nostalgia. We're in the nostalgia yeah, of the know. nostalgia. <laughs> well, it just, everything just comes around again. That's just the way life is. Yeah. We're just in another phase of nostalgia. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm sitting outside. That's just some other neighbor dog. I'll, oh, I'll say it just like Pepper. Um, no. So originally, this was supposed to be an Orion uh, release. Uh, they sold it to Paramount because they were on the verge of bankruptcy and they were terrified this would end them. And guess what? <laughs> Massive hit. And because they didn't have the money from this, they did go under. Mm -hmm. They went under for like three oh, years. Well, they fucked themselves. Because they didn't have enough faith in it, then they threw themselves. Well, it's so strange. How does Orion go out of business? Uh, early 1992, when they just came off of all the box office receipts coming in from Dances with Wolves, uh, oh, yeah. Silence of the Lambs. These are both 100 plus movies. You got uh, 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 Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which is a good hit. All that money coming in from, you know, theatrical, international, video, and probably TV sales by then. And yet you still go bankrupt. You really had to fuck up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, $30 million production, and you see every square inch because not only does Barry Sonnenfeld have some crazy camera work, the special effects hold up so well, but it's Bo Welch, the production designer behind this, that makes it look so fucking lavish. Sorry, I'm I'm listening to you. I'm listening to. I'm just reading some of the facts. And stuff. Oh, okay. It it says that they spent a hundred thousand dollars. The exterior of the Adams house was built for a hundred thousand dollars. That doesn't seem bad, that considering isn't... how big that set was. You're you're not counting the house. You're counting the graveyard and then the court and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Well, okay. I was when I first read it. I thought that that was like the interior. 
So I'm just wondering, you know, about, I wish we could learn more about how, you know, the, all the, all the, the stuff that they did in the inside, especially in the first one and that whole elaborate, you know, thing to get to, you know, to the safe and the, the, the money and, you know, all that quite elaborate. The, uh, the first one, I think, gets bogged down a little bit with trying to introduce the world. But, I mean, what other choice do you have to people who have never seen this? I don't recall. I know we had seen the monsters at this point, but I cannot tell you if I'd ever seen the Addams Family. Um, I don't I, <clears throat> I don't think so. And considering, you know, that we were kids when this came out, that I don't, I don't think that we had the reference point. So... To, to, to the level at which we enjoyed it without having a reference point, I'd say they did a pretty good job. Yeah, I remember seeing this in the theaters. I did not see the second one. I get the feeling that a lot of people <laughs> just kind of... Did well, I see the first one with yeah, you? Yeah, you went with us. Uh, I think we went oh, as a okay. family. I don't think... I don't, maybe it's... Sure. Maybe, I don't remember. Yeah, it's just, I remember we went and it was Christmas of 91. We <laughs> lived in a very small town, listeners, where we only had one movie screen at a time, so you pretty much went to everything that played there, unless you really didn't want to see it. Everything that was not R-rated. Sometimes you had to wait for a month to be able to go to another movie, because the R-rated movies would stick around. Yeah, but they well... Didn't do, I don't think they did that too often. No, it was really rare that that would happen, because uh, either they had to have something else to go with it, like when... Do you remember going to see Ernest Scared Stupid? Absolutely. So right after that is when they had Freddy's Dead. So that's like the only oh, time they would have to have some sort of co-share. Like you, the later shows would be the R-rated one, and before that would be uh, something that everybody could see. Um, it wasn't very often we got an R-rated movie unless there was just nothing else out. So most of the time it was PG, PG-13 movies. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was just like if it, it was something that was just like really huge that you can't ignore, like Dances with Wolves or whatever. Yeah. Trying to think, I remember Firebirds with Nicolas Cage played there, and we almost went to it. We found out it was already. I don't remember that. No, you shouldn't. I remember a lot of things. I remember very, very, very clearly going going to see Jurassic Park the day it opened, and how long the line was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Waiting outside around the corner. Yeah. It was amazing. We sat in the very first row. Back when we could do something like that without hurt neck and uh, uh, strained eyes. The main theme written and performed by MC Hammer won a Razzie Award in the category for worst original song. <laughs> I totally get We I do totally which one to do. The Adam's family. Um, yeah. That was like his last hurrah because the next song I think was Too Legit to Quit, which is like a nine minute epic. It was so expensive. Wow. And it was like, oof. <laughs> that song is so long, it never did quit. It's still going. Um, that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. Christina yeah. Ritchie really broke out from this, but the kid, uh, I don't even remember his name. I think, oh, it says here, Jimmy Workman. Uh, I have no idea what happened to Pugsley. Pugsley? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Guess it just didn't I work out no for idea. him. They're fine. I think they're both great, but I think it's the sequel that really lets them shine. Oh, for sure. You know, that's the thing is that the sequel really, I mean, it's not, it's still not really a teen movie, but there's a lot more focus on them. Yeah. Um, which I think is good. Um, whoops, I just hit the wrong page. So, uh, yeah, I think the first one is just, it's really elaborate in its visual style, and it has an intricate mystery, which I think works well. Um, but I, 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 let's go on to the second one, because that's where it's fucking gold. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything in the first, you know, anything in the first one. I think uh, that that's worth mentioning. Just, I, you know, the amusing part where they get kicked out of the house and they're staying in that motel, and Gomez is like fixated on like I don't know what's it, uh, uh, Gilligan's Island, and is the he? kids are outside and with their. I'm pretty sure that he's a like obsessively watching Gilligan's Island like in his depression and do you remember <laughs> and then the hand how they kept promoting how they did the special effects on the hand like it had just never been done uh-huh. before and that was so fascinating because I think it's the first time they really tried to replicate flesh with CGI yeah. like they, they digitally added the back of the hand onto the or something like that I remember he had to they showed it and he had to put like a a fake hand on top of his hand, a wrist or whatever, and then he would just like be wrapped in blue and running around the stage. I thought it was so fascinating back then. Well, regardless, it's pretty cool, you know, a pretty cool effect for the nineties, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, has Dan Hedaya ever they played have such some personality? Yeah, Dan Hedaya has he ever played anybody that wasn't a schmuck? <laughs> mm, I don't think so. I think that's his shtick. I love, and to this day, I still say it, when they're playing, when they're uh, doing the sword fighting, he goes, good show, yeah. old man. <laughs> I know, I know. There's so many, like, there's so many quotes that are, like, quality, you know. Um, well, is, do you think he's a schmuck and clueless? Like, I think that might be his leash. Okay, okay. As for dad and clueless? Yeah. Oh, I'll give you that that's one. That's the best I got. I, um, I love how they keep the light <laughs> on An- Angelica Houston's eyes. Like, just, <laughs> no matter what they do, they have some sort of, like, soft glow over them. I know. It's like, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, it definitely was my, like, I think first introduction to her. And I just think she's so fantastic. But you realize how macabre so much of the, like, dialogue is? Yeah. And how many, how many like, really fucked up things really happen in there or they reference? And they're, like... Uh, they reference a lot of stuff that's like mm, that really should be disturbing, but like they just and then they just they just say it and then move on. Yeah, and well, here's the thing. I think the why the movie works so well, why people adore it, yeah. is because this family yeah. truly loves each other. They really support yeah, each other. Yeah, sure. I mean, they may seem dark and demented, and I've seen some families that look like they're happy and like normal every day, and they're just miserable, <laughs> and you just get the exact mm-hmm. opposite. <laughs> Uh, oh. And also, this is interesting that that Cher wanted to play Morticia. That makes sense. That could have been, yeah. That could have really been interesting. But I'm so glad. Of, I think that it's really hard for me to like appreciate any of the movies that follow these because I just think that the casting was just so spot on. Yeah, how do it's you, how do you replicate that. Right there's there's the third movie, which was a TV movie, which is called Fam- <laughs> Adam's Family Reunion, where it's uh, Tim Curry and Daryl Hannah, and that movie's just lifeless. It's not even their fault, but they just don't have that same chemistry. Um, and then, here's what throws me off. They do these animated movies, and they cast it perfectly if it was a live-action movie, because Charlize Theron, <laughs> and, um, what's the other guy's name? The one from... Uh, the I know, Oscar Isaac, man, he would have been so perfect. Like, like, like... If he had just done live action. Yeah, that's so yeah, confusing I, to I me. Think, like, why would you I go hate that the route? the way they went about it. I know. I how how do you sit in the studio say, watching them do the voice and go, oh, shit, we're, we're, uh, hold on. <laughs> I know. Plus, I, Oscar Isaac is so pretty, and he's like, ha, has a lot of charm. Like, they really, really did not utilize these 
these amazing actors to their full potential. Yeah. I'm sorry. I would love but to see anyway. like the fun, charming side of Oscar Isaac because I feel like all they do is cast him in these dead serious movies. Well, he does a lot of, of serious things, but he's a very mm, serious. Mm, man. Mm, mm. Still <laughs> a very attractive man. Sorry. Okay, no, you're good. so you wanted to move on to. Isn't it weird that Mercedes McNabb? as a child, was actually in both movies. Yeah, I didn't remember her being in the first one until I rewatched it, and I was like, oh, but she's barely I mean, in it, but she comes such a big a part of It's a very memorable scene, though. Can't you remember? Don't you think? It's, well, I didn't watch, I didn't, a, I didn't have the time to rewatch these. So, I watched them uh, earlier, no, I actually watched so, them last, last Christmas. So that's what the other thing I was gonna, the other thing I was gonna mention that it's like just so memorable to me is when they're you know kicked out of the house and they're at that motel and Wednesday and Pugsley have the like lemonade stand and then the girl she comes and she's the girl scout she she's oh right to, yes yeah and she's like are your are is your lemonade organic and she's she's like are your girl scout cookies made from real girl scouts like it's just such a funny memorable scene and it's like she's the girl scout and then she shows up again in the next movie with a much bigger part is she supposed to be the same girl i don't know i'm almost certain she's supposed to be yeah it's just interesting i don't know god she's such a little fucker (laughs) Uh, i think the reason why it it worked out for christina ritchie and it didn't work out for uh whatever the guys i'm sorry i can't remember something workman um, Johnny Workman or something uh, is because Christina Ritchie has such a wonderful way of playing deadpan where Pugsley's just kind of like that oh okay you know just kind of going along but I will say he's the like he's the like lovable dimwit yeah but I love it <laughs> eat me <laughs> oh I know that's so fantastic and it wouldn't so have worked if it had been the other way around now? you almost need the innocent one to, to pull that off that it you know he is her straight man you know you it, instead of but instead of you know her being the slapstick comedy she's the dry as fuck twisted one who's brilliant yeah and i love the second one and it's re- it's a lot darker good lord it's so much darker because yes, it is. <laughs> they spent half the movie trying to kill their little baby brother <laughs> i mean basically all they do is try to kill people because she tried to kill him a lot in the first one, too. That's true. I forgot about that. Um, and then uh, uh, Fester uh, is going to get into a relationship. It fucking kills me that they're on the dance floor killing it. And Fester doesn't know what the fuck to do except <laughs> stick breadsticks up his nose over and over. I know. Oh, so pathetic. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, or when when she tries to make him more normal and she has him wear that white suit and that shitty blonde oh, wig. It's so fucking disturbing. so bad. It's so disturbing. And that's, I think that it makes me deadly. It's so creepy. It's just so creepy. And it, you know what's weird is um, it works, but it's just not how it's, you know, the, the roles that she usually plays that um, that Joan Cusack is playing like a sexy um, temptress. And usually she's the quirky like sidekick or friend or sister yeah you know, but she fucking you know, kills in this oh my oh, god she, she almost steals it. the whole movie oh absolutely what what about debbie <laughs> i just I remember she goes psychotic with such a glimmer in her eye and a smile on her face 
<laughs> so demented. So crazy. <laughs> but this is where we got introduced to David Crumholtz as well, because the second half of the movie they throw them into camp, and I think that's when the movie really goes wild. Because not only do you have the camp story, but then you have the complete like uh, Debbie has taken over, destroyed the family, trying to murder him. Uh, it's so dark and weird. <laughs> not to mention baby Hubert. Oh yeah, he's so adorable, but then his hair turns blonde and everybody gets upset. <laughs> I know. I just think it's so funny that she's like, I'm having a baby now. And then they're like, is it a boy or a girl? And he, he's an Adams. <laughs> but he said, he like, it's an Adams. <laughs> and then he looks exactly like him. It's just like so remarkable. I love <laughs> like it so much. much. <laughs> they like, they also subtly change like the grandma to Carol Kane plays her in the second one. And they never even like, they don't even make a joke or anything about her being an entirely different person. Yeah, I wonder what that was about. Was she just not available? Younger. She is playing Angelica Houston's mother, and she's younger than her. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Good costume, good makeup, but I just think it's funny. Huh, yeah, I don't see anywhere oh, and... in here why she was replaced. No. Maybe they originally wanted her and they couldn't get her or something, but I thought she, I thought the other lady was fine. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, the only the only thing in these two movies that I can recall that really dates it is in that, that scene at the camp where he has his um, his card collection of like famous serial killers and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, I have the whole set except for um, uh, the Jack the Ripper and Zodiac Killer. And then Pugsley offers to trade him, and he has, um, it's like Amy, what's her name, from... Oh, Amy Fisher? um, Amy Fisher. And I was like, that's the only thing in the the two movies that, like, dates it. It's okay, but it's just like, oh, that's weird. I'm trying to say, so so I guess the guy who wrote this, who made it a lot darker, because Caroline Thompson Mm -hmm. stepped away... Uh, Paul Rudnick, and he had only done some cleanup work on the Adams Family. This is his first. No, Sister Act was his first uh, script. That's funny. Um, yeah, that's kind of funny. Did Adams Family values <laughs> In and Out, Jeffrey, The First Wives Club, Isn't She Great, The Stepford Wives? Huh. Hmm. 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 There's a lot of um, cameos in this movie, or like. Or at least for me, it was like the first time I saw a lot of people. Yeah. Um, like Christine Baranski and Nathan Lane has a, like a little cameo, and Tony Shalhoub has a little cameo. And... <laughs> I love I love his <laughs> Macho Macho Man. <laughs> I know. So I know it's so saying. weird. Um, and then like, I mean, for the most part. The camp is the best and worst part for me because it's so blatantly abusive and they're such terrible people uh-huh. and they're so cruel and unkind. All the adults and the kids are fucking awful people and but like they're just they're so mean. And um so but also it's the funniest stuff too because uh just you know, she's like Insanely chipper, just... demented level chipper. <laughs> and she's like, and then when they decide to punish them by putting them in a cabin by themselves and make them watch the like all these Disney movies, and then and then David Crumholtz's character comes in 
and he starts screaming when he sees the Michael Jackson posters on the wall. Like, what's that supposed to mean? I don't know, but <laughs> Michael Jackson was supposed to do the theme song to this one, so... I know. That's weird. I know, I just fire. saw that, too. <laughs> I don't know. And then, um... So you and I both went to camp, right? I went to camp, yeah. Yeah, was yours like this? Because mine was pretty brutal and abusive. Um, it had some flaws, but it was also like like a, a Christian like church related camp. Yeah, so, so it was mine. It had but some mine flaws. was mine was at Demolay camp, and <laughs> those guys, yikes. <laughs> Yeah, I think that your your connection, what your experience that was uh, very, 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 very fucked up. Um, no, I mean, it was fine, I guess, but, you know, I have um, personal feelings about most things that are religion-related, so yeah. uh, I don't want to be, like, negative looking back at it. I think at the time it was fine, yeah. yeah. No, it was fine. We were, you went swimming, you had campfires you sang fucking like you know little ditties and talked about god a lot i don't know i don't care yeah. um, <laughs> I, I couldn't remember not if you went to a regular everyday camp or not i couldn't remember no but, i didn't i didn't but it's, it's but so it's funny fine. yeah it's so funny watching this one because there's that kind of the, the thing that i never see you always see in movies is these elite expensive camps like in this and like yeah. the movie poison ivy and some other ones that we've seen um, where it seems like everybody involved is rich. And they had... This is the one that doesn't have, though, teenage counselors. At least they don't show them, because that's almost a cliche of all of these. It's just run by adults. And uh, so I thought that was interesting. But what I really like is just the... the <laughs> no matter what they do, <laughs> those kids, <laughs> they cannot break them. And that spirit, I just love. I just love so much when she's just like, I'm not perky, but I want to be. Because she still says it like deadpan, just like, and then the effort that she puts in to smile, and then they go there like, I'm scared, like when she finally smiles. <laughs> and then of course, and it's all just a brilliant ruse. Yeah, then they sabotage the Thanksgiving play, and <laughs> I love at the end I mean, when she's like, it's truly disturbing though, yeah. truly disturbing. And they're like, oh, will you will you remember me? Of course, you're too weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love fucking David Crumpholtz. I can't wait to uh, finally discuss. I have on my list um, uh, the, the what slums of Beverly Hills. I got it. Oh yeah, yeah. I was wondering when we were gonna do that. Are we gonna do it with? Um, but I'm but I'm a cheerleader or something. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Okay. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, what other things do we want to talk about? I I love the dancing. And there's a, a great dance sequence in, the, in both movies. Oh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, I That's, it, look, I don't, uh, nobody does, but I'm not good with any sort of, the, the idea of relationships is more interesting than the reality of relationships, but in my head, okay. I want the kind of love <laughs> that <laughs> the, the Morticia and Gomez have. Well, that's, you're right, though, when you say earlier that, um, you know, what really, what really makes it all work is, well, yes, one, the commitment that they all put into their characters, but the fact that even if they're, like, crazy as fuck, like, they're very, like, they deeply love each other or very committed to each other, and how much, like, being apart rips, rips up Go uh, of Gomez and how, like, like he is, how dramatic and over the top he is in his, like, suffering and, like, because they're apart. Like, it's, 
it's really yeah could we have more families like that yeah. like that truly care about each other <laughs> I mean, you think about the first one. The first one, he was just duped. He didn't. He he had amnesia. He he did have yeah. guilt the whole time, though. He just didn't feel like it was right, and he was getting pushed and pushed yeah. and pushed. And that's the kind of repetitive thing that's in the second one. That's the only thing that I didn't care for is that Debbie does the same exact thing to him, and they put them out of the house yeah. again. And you're like, oh, you could have done something different with this. Yeah, but I think that it just you know it, it taps into the fact that he you know he's still feeling. He's a pretty insecure guy. He's really, you know, admires the relationship that, you know, you admire it too. We all admire it, the relationship that Morticia and Gomez have that makes him feel insecure. So because he's searching for something that they have and still, you know, not feeling quite right with the family maybe after all of those years of being away, that she's, you know, it's easy to, he's easy to manipulate. So yeah, it can seem the same as, or similar to what happened in the first one, but I think that it plays more into like, you know, his insecurities and vulnerability and, and then, then laziness yeah. in the script. Well, and I, I, th I think it's admirable that they did make Fester one of the main characters. Like I said, I've, I've barely seen the show, but I feel like he wasn't that big of a focus. No. And they could have just cast him aside, but I think Christopher Lloyd is so just so good and committed to this. Like I said, every like you said, everybody in this is all in. They do not. Here's the thing about Raul Julia is, uh, even in a shit movie, let, let's stop pretending that Street Fighter is a good movie. Okay, let's stop it. Who's ever who's who's no, ever no. said it's a good movie? Dudes, dudes now are starting to think that it's like the greatest movie ever. It's insane. Wow, these are the same. I, mean, I have friends, and mind you, you're allowed to like whatever you like. But when you champion Bloodsport as a great movie, I'm very confused. <laughs> as your favorite Van Damme movie, very confused. I mean, you can you can enjoy whatever you enjoy. Like, hey, I like trash too. But yeah, it's not a good movie. Yeah, and, and but but I will say, as, as crappy as Street Fighter is, Raul Julia just yeah. gives it his all, and it was his last performance, and he was dying. And I still think, even if he knew he wasn't sick he still would have given a hell of a performance because I've never seen him phone it in. And I've seen that really shitty movie that he did on Mystery Science Theater 3000 overdrawn at the memory bank. Do you remember this one? I don't think so. It's it's even entertaining on its own without the Mystery Science Theater stuff. It's, it's a 1981 or 82 PBS slash New York production where um, mm. it's in the future and everybody works on the computers and their whole life is just in their job. Their whole life is their job. And the only way you get any sort of vacation is uh, you earn points through work and you can use those points to have your brain downloaded into a, uh, a, a, a like a virtual scenario kind of thing where you can be other people or other creatures or whatever. And uh, he, gets, he only has enough points and he's forced to go on vacation because... Uh, instead of doing his job, he was watching old movies, which are banned. Yeah. He, was, he was watching right. Casablanca. And right. um, his brain somehow gets downloaded into a baboon. <laughs> and when they try to bring him back, he gets lost in the internet. Back when, you know, 1982, the internet really wasn't a thing. Oh, wow. And then he finds a way to actually get into the computer systems and hack and shut down the whole system so that people can be free. It's done so low budget. It's admirable, <laughs> uh, but the I kind of 
it, it, the idea is great. The idea and his performance is fantastic. It's 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 in it. it's complete on YouTube without the Mystery Science Theater commentary, but there's also the Mystery Science Theater version. It depends on which one you want to watch. Mystery Science Theater. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Man, it's so sad. He was so freaking young. Yeah, it's Ugh. just. And it, it just happens. I still can't remember. I've heard different rumors about how he passed away, and it's it. I never. I don't know. It said he had a stroke. Was it throat That's cancer? What this says. But and it says he had a stroke and fell into a coma. But I, you know, it definitely could have been more to it than that. It doesn't say more on his IMDb page, but see a lot for a while uh, there, people were passing the rumor that he had HIV, but it says here he has stomach yeah. cancer. So. Oh, I see. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. But he's still he don't, memorable. Don't spread rumors about the dead Jesus. Yeah, it's his performance is absolutely phenomenal, and he will be remembered forever just for this one series. It's great. At least he has that legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but isn't he like really lo- uh, really praised for like Kiss of a Spider Woman or whatever? I like, have never seen that. Yeah, I think he was a stage actor, and then he eventually, like in '86, is when he finally got discovered. That's really not long to be yeah. a movie star, if you think about it. Eight no, years? No, it's not. Huh. He did a lot in a short period of time. Yeah. Okay, so wow. that is it for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you want to say before we go? Mm, I mean, things that won't make your brain collapse like the last episode. Don't send your kids to summer camp. Because <laughs> either it's a hockey mask <laughs> or it's a brainwash. <laughs> I just, I don't know, like... Yes, this is extreme, but I just, I think that, I think summer camps are gross and people are horrible. It's never like meatballs. It just isn't. And even, but man, it was, it's really, like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how, how disturbing some of the stuff in this movie was, but it's more, more than like, uh, Wednesday and Pugsley's, you know, um, uh, actions and, naughtiness was just how awful the adults were especially made me so mad <laughs> Did, have you seen the animated ones yet i have not um i saw the first one i didn't really care for it yeah i just it looks so ugly i know that's for the original artwork but i just don't i just don't sorry kids uh abs family and monsters never, and i never saw, I, and i never saw that other one that you're talking about i just don't think i can yeah even though i love tim curry i just don't think i can yeah i watched it it was dolls of dishwater so uh, boring. It was, yeah. a, it was a, a ABC okay. Family movie, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's that's odd. Okay. So I mean, I give me your choice. Curry certainly has charm, but give me your choice: me. Monsters or Abs Family? Not just based on the movie, the whole franchise. Um, I don't know. Probably still the Abs Family. I don't know. I'm not that into the monsters either. Okay. For me, the monsters the just original... slightly. I watched the original show more than I ever watched. The original Adam's Family, but <clears throat> I don't know. I did like that remake, that that TV show that they had in the nineties. Yeah, the Muppets Now or the Muppets? Not the Muppets. What did I say? To, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Are you saying Muppets? It's. I think it's called the Monsters Today. I think yeah, we used to Maybe. watch that all was the time. Was it the one with Fred? Fred? Um, Gwen? No, that was the original. One. Yeah, it was so John. The... John Shuck was the one that was in that show, and then they tried to relaunch it again. I think for a Christmas special, and Edward Herman played him. That's weird. Edward Herman played Herman Monster. Interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. And do yeah, you remember? Uh... Do you remember we watched Monsters? Uh, yeah, uh, the one where it was so. the wax creatures version. 
the monsters attack or there, something. There really has been a lot of versions, huh? Yeah, there's like three or four movies, what? and there's so many. Yeah, so but these these two franchises, I guess, are inevitable. I mean, if the Adams, that's why they were doing the monsters. I forgot the Adams family cartoons have done so well at the box office. Of course, they're gonna bring back the monsters. Yeah, I just definitely remember the monsters today because Jason Marsden was Eddie Monster. Right. I yeah, I, remember, yeah. I remember that a lot. All right, I think we've wandered off the ranch a little bit, <laughs> so let's uh, wrap this up. Well, there's just there's so much to in you know it's it's been around for so long that there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. But... Well, I remember the Adams family okay. was in that Scooby Doo cartoon. Do you remember in the '70s after the original series ended, they had all the famous people come on for special episodes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the Adams family. There's Batman, Robin, and Gilligan's Island, and stuff like that. The Harlem Globetrotters. I also thought it was actually not too bad when they had that um, <clears throat> attempted that reboot in like 2012 with um, um, <clears throat> sorry Portia de Rossi I think was it one as mocking they call it Mockingbird Lane oh right like Jerry O'Connell was supposed to be in it. did you you actually yes. got to see it because I never got to see it. They released it as a TV movie instead. Oh. The, the, pi- the pilot, they released it as a TV movie. Okay. I did, I did watch it at some point. Maybe it was on YouTube. I'm not sure. Look it up. Mockingbird Lane. And I thought it was pretty good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But whatever. All right. <laughs> now we're finally wrapping it up. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, Twitter. All your podcast hosts is Hit Rewind. Comment. Share. Like. Uh, just you know, let us know how we're doing. If there's some movies we haven't covered yet, uh, I don't know what the next episode will be. Uh, unless I nope. told you already, did I no tell idea. you? No idea. Huh? No idea. Okay. Uh, we'll and that figure is it. Out. it. Okay. Have a good night. Bye.